Welcome to the Watching World Podcast, a podcast of Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, Missouri, whose mission is to see lives changed by Jesus and whose vision is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. I'm your host, Les Norman, and today we're continuing in this series, Knowing What You Believe and Why You Believe It, Worldviews, Truth, and Evidence. You can go to fsc.life or fsc.life, fse.life, or you can just come to the class, Faith, Substance, and Evidence, right? Or they can, you can also go to FSC on YouTube, the YouTube channel, and subscribe. That's what we want. We want you to subscribe to that channel. Yes, right? and I'll add, add one more thing. If you friend me on Facebook, for those of you who like Facebook, I put out my weekly article for the newspaper that goes through relating cultural events with biblical truth. Now, Facebook, isn't that for the older people like us? Yeah. Yeah. We got to tap into the younger social media a little bit. Yeah. I, I know. Well, that voice you hear, I, I didn't introduce you. Ed Croteau is joining us. He teaches that class <laughs> and you need to come. My son and I come to this class. It's amazing. 9.30 on Sundays. There are three options you can come to service, 8, 9.30, 11. Um, but if you want to pack it in the middle at 9.30, room 1024 at Abundant Life here in the main building, uh, make sure you come and check it out. And like Ed said, and I think our last one, you get food. You know, we'll, you'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll bring food for you. Yeah. The one thing I don't do here in the podcast. Booth, I know it sucks. That's okay, but you'll deal. It's okay. But today, um, this is another interesting one for me. Each one has its own. So the series is Knowing What You Believe and Why You Believe It. This is podcast number six in the series of nine. And we've last week we did How Can People Test for What Is True? Today we're talking about understanding American culture, modernism, and why it fails to lead you to ultimate truth. Boy, Ed, that sounds like an easy one. So, yeah. um, okay, so there are three cultural worldviews in American society today, and what are they? Yeah, so when, when we—it's it, always difficult to label things and be exact, but it helps us to get directionally to see how people think. So the first one we call modernism. That's what we're talking about today. And modernism is really looking at this, this idea of human beings have the ability to reason and figure things out on their own. They don't need any help. So when you think of modernism, you're saying, yeah, truth can be known, but it's really based on what I can see or empirically what I can solve or reason out on my own. So it places value on the man's ability to reason. So most people will point back to this, the start of this is the enlightenment and the scientific revolution. So this would be the late 1600s, almost up to World War I and II, where really during that time, what happened is it became more of a rebellion against this traditional form of art and architecture, religious faith that most people clung to. The state church kind of like guided everyone in truth. Well, as discoveries were made, as man started really embracing their ability to figure things out, you know, the time of Isaac Newton and others, more and more people said, you know what? The church is wrong a lot. Religious belief doesn't really solve these problems. Mm -hmm. We're pretty smart. We think we can figure it out. So there's one cultural worldview we're right. talking about today. And good luck with that. The second one is called, well, you're pretty negative. A little bit. The second one is called postmodernism. So just like it sounds, after modernism. So what happened was Truman drops an atomic bomb, nuclear bomb on Japan. The uh, technology of social media and everything, we think it's a great technology, but you can bring pornography into your living room, run on a cell phone. You know, all these things that we thought about technology would really be the answer to man's moral dilemmas and really bring us into a new age of understanding turned out to be false. 
matter of fact, we still see it on TV. You can have four different commercials with a different guy on each one saying, you want to lose 10 pounds? Try this pill. It's better than the other one. So people start looking at this and they get skeptical and they go, no, I don't see technology solving anything. Matter of fact, in World War I and II, as we see the technology of tanks and we see warfare being accelerated and we like right now what we're going through, this whole idea of technology, nuclear weapons, everybody knows. That's prevalent everywhere you listen to and watch today. Nobody looks at that and goes, hey, we are really evolving morally as a species. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's getting worse. Right. So there's postmodernism. And that one, which we'll talk about next time, is, you know, I don't trust you anymore. Right? I don't trust things. Now, the third one is called Christianity, American cultural worldview. In this one, it's like we can know truth without a doubt, and it's based on the reality as defined by God himself. God is ultimate truth. So picture where we're in in our culture today, modernism, postmodernism, and then Judeo-Christianity in America today. These are competing with each other. Sure. So why is it important if you look at these three worldviews? Okay, yeah, I'm a Christian, so that's my worldview. Why is it important to, do we need to dis dismiss this people that maybe have this modern modernism or this postmodernism? You know, why is it important to understand all these worldviews? We better not dismiss it because, uh, you know, William Lane Craig says it really well on a video. He goes, you know, if I have a box of rat poison and a box of aspirin, you better believe that what's on the bottle for just direction to description matters. Yes. That's modernism, right? Mm -hmm. If, uh, if I'm going to cross a bridge, I want to know that engineers actually made blueprint plans and signed off on the stability of the bridge. That's modernism, right? There's, right. There, there are things where it absolutely is essential to apply. But what we got to understand is there's two areas where we've kind of tried to take a modern stance, and that's ethics and religion and philosophy, where people will literally come out and make claims that say things like, all there is is the cosmos and man in it, and we're an insignificant little speck, and we compete with each other, and everything you do in this life is all that matters, and then you die. That's a modern claim of how life works. Well, if you don't understand what people are talking about when you meet them in the culture and you can deconstruct that and help them with the gospel— then you're you're going to be put in a corner. You're you're going to be irrelevant. Is is modernism coming back a little bit? Are we seeing this kind of comeback in society today? Because this term that I've learned this more from you, but the secular humanism right. approach is that making a little bit of a comeback, or is it just prevalent all over? No, I think it's this progressive attitude of man being the dominant view and pushing this on how we live is absolutely. But in our Gen Zs and in our even our millennials, they're more postmodern. Example, um, when we think about, say, millennials, say you have people in their early 30s. Well, they're, uh, they're very socially active. They have, they're activists. They want to do something that's relevant and important. They uh, can be entrepreneurs and they can think more in terms of, you know, I don't have to have a normal job like my dad, work at the same place for 40 years. I can do something new. But then they also have something most of us don't have when we're younger, and that's called college debt. And so what happens is, as they live longer, this whole idea of being idealistic starts failing. They start being disillusioned. All of a sudden, my gosh, I can't afford a house. Or, my gosh, things are harder. I'm, this is much more difficult. So this age group now becomes a little more postmodern. They begin to think, you know what? I don't know what to believe anymore. I thought this was what my life was going to be like. I thought I'd have a better life than my parents. 
I'm finding out it's not necessarily true. Hmm. So it seems like this, as we talk about the emergence of modernism, what I see more and more is this self, me, yeah. me, me, me. It's not, and that's not what the Bible's based about at all. It's about God and about us loving each other. Love your neighbor as yourself, the greatest commandments. So what are we seeing there, that, that secular humanism versus this Christian worldview? Uh, I'm going to talk about that, but, but what, what's going on in our culture right now, most people say it, but I don't think they appreciate how deep it is. This modernist type thinking is in our education system. Oh boy. All right. So you yes. have people. You have just uncorked the bottle with yes. that. Yes. Yes. Our, our education system, if you saw, for instance, God's Not Dead, the first one. Right. Right. Kevin Sorbo played that professor. Mm -hmm. Right, who attacked the kid, and he's attacking the kid, telling him what's true, right? Right. Right, so this is a modern view, and we've come to the point where we actually say things like, well, America is, um, needs to apologize for itself, for everything it's done in history, and of course, we have sins, but teaching our young people that they should be ashamed to be an American and not proud, right? Right. They're, this is the kind of stuff we're getting. Then we flip over and look at our, our media right now, very modern view. They're going to be hitting you with what they say is true. Then you look at our entertainment industry. So you got the three big institutions in our culture, education, entertainment, and the media, all with this modernistic view of what they're telling us is really driven by, man, you can do it. There's no need for God anymore. Right. So when we think about modernism, where it came from, this whole idea of secular humanism, it started in 1933. There was this first, first revelation of what they called the Humanist Manifesto, where literally they came out and had six main points. And since then, it's changed, but it's basically the same. The first point is the universe is self-existing and not created. Okay, now just think about this. Now, Einstein, it was about 1909 when he discovered the general theory of relativity, where then we move into like uh, in the early 1920s when you have Hubble and he found the universe expanding. There's plenty of evidence that that first one is false, that it's not self-existing, but it doesn't matter, right? They're going to make a manifesto that says universe wasn't created. And then the next one is even worse. Man is a part of nature and he's emerged as a result of a continuous process. An oopsie. Right, an oopsie. Then the next one says the universe by modern science, so modernism puts its hat, they believe, on scientific truth, makes it unacceptable any supernatural guarantees of human values. I'm going to pause you right there real quick, Ed, and say you'd mentioned this a, a little bit ago. And then in, in number three of this Humanist Manifesto of 1933, the universe by modern science, the one thing that I really want are this generation, my boys, your family, your kiddos— is to understand that a lot of, of different governments and a lot of these, these worldviews tend to word things, just use wordplay to get you just to cast doubt. That's right. To challenge. That's right. Anti-government. And, and if we remember, that's what Satan did all the way back in the garden, it. just casting it. doubt. So all of our young people in this generation that are listening get into God's word don't get this little word trigger and get fooled and let people play on your emotions because oftentimes they're doing that to get you to doubt. And it's good to ask questions. God wants us to investigate what truth is, but we find it in his word. We don't find it in that news outlet or that internet website or something like that. You know, I say the same thing all the time to people. We should never allow anyone to tell us what to think. 
We want to learn how to think, right. critical thinking. Absolutely. So in this number three, when it says the universe by modern science makes unacceptable supernatural guarantees, what the heck does that mean? That's, that's a truth claim that's not a fact. They're making a leap to say science negates God. If you look back at um, from 1600s all the way to today, about 85% of all the scientists that are Nobel laureates that invented a lot, founders of a lot of the dis disciplines you take in school were Christian. So this is nonsense. So let's look at number four. Now here's the key. Realization of the human personality is the end of man's life. The goal of your life is to develop and fulfill in the here and now. So live now, party it up. Party it up. Let's go right now, because all that matters is right this moment. And then you're worm food, and, and that's then it. And then it's over. Nobody talks to their kids this way. No. Number five, man is the result of a blind and random process that does not necessitate any meaning. And then six, humanism is fostered by the teaching of evolution. Oh boy. All right. This is what has been put on our kids, taught in schools, the movement that we have today that the church tries so hard to combat because it's not true. Mm. Make sense? Yeah. So when I teach people this, I always say this. I said, you know, if you're not sure why you believe what you've been taught is true in church, right? If you don't understand why, then there's a lot of people out there when you get outside of church who are going to try to tell you what really is true. And what's going to happen, it won't be long before what you used to think was true isn't true anymore. Mm -hmm. Because they get a lot more of your time than an hour on Sunday morning. That's right. So you need to know. Yeah, and so it's important for us, and, and I know I've heard Pastor Phil say this, I've heard other pastors say this, the, it's not the church's job to teach our children. It's, that's just a supplemental way. It's us in our home spending time with our kids, doing Bible studies or devotionals, or just sitting around the dinner table and talking about life and what God says about it and just letting them know how much we love them because this is what, you know, God loves us and there's proof. And it's just so important for us to take the lead in our own homes. We can't expect and allow the church to teach every single part of that. And we definitely don't want, I don't want my schools our schools teaching my children about life. And here's one of the things, and I will never bring up a school or a teacher or anything like that, but I can't tell you how many times my youngest son a few years ago would come in and, how was school today? What did you learn? Tell me how math was. You got a, you got a good grade in your last one? Tell me about this math. And he'll tell me, or he's told me in the past, we talked about how this person hates our existing president, which was our last president, and this is not a political show, and I'm not, oh, well, you're picking, no, I'm, this was the term that was in office at the time, the, the, the president. But for 75% of the class, this was a teacher who just railed on that current president of the time, the why, and was actually getting a little bit, crossing some certain lines. And so I asked him, I just want you to know, bud, that now it's time, and I'm going to be calm about it, but now it's time when that's happening for me to go in and stand up for our God and our values and our family. And so I'm going to go and make an appointment. And I was so proud of him. He said, no, you're not. <laughs> well, 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 why? You have to understand as, as the leader of the home, it's important. He said, because I know what this teacher is trying to do, and I'm not swayed or fooled by any of it. And so then I went back to my wife and said, okay, we've done something right by opening that Bible and teaching our kids the truth. So um, sidebar, 
just make sure you check in with your kids, find out what's going on, and and make sure that you are leading your family and teaching them God's word. Yeah, and and all that, of course, is true. Of course it is. I'll go one layer down and say, what's the foundation? And the foundation of all this is, you know, Jesus has four questions. I brought this up before. Mm -hmm. It all depends who he is to you, you know, because who wants to study the Bible if it's not true? Who? I mean, what a waste of time. Jesus Christ says things like, um, do you love me? That's a question he's asking in the, in the Gospels. Um, who do you say that I am? Okay, when he asks these questions, we can't just breeze by them. It will determine your response to when things like what you just said happen in school, mm -hmm. really. Because who wants to go in and fight somebody because you think they're wrong or you don't like what they said? Right. Now, the bottom line is we have a Lord and a Savior who's real, who really existed, who still exists, who's a lover of our souls, and who gives us this passion to live in a way that pleases Him. So that's the point of the class is, hey, hey man, it's great to learn all this stuff and get smarter and understand modernism and all this, but the bottom line is, who's Jesus Christ? And when you're in love with him, man, this stuff's a blast because now it opens your eyes and you grow deeper and deeper and you can appreciate who he is even more. Yeah, I love that. And so, yeah, we're, we're wrapping up again. We always get up against the time. It's okay. But um, I want to hit one more area of this. Okay, let's hit Christianity versus secular humanism. In our last episode, we talked about, you know, testing for right. the truth. But uh, I, I want to come back, even though we're talking about modernism, which, you know, this topic of secular humanism comes up, let's bounce Christianity off of secular humanism. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So if we think about this and we say we're going to test for truth because it matters. So let's, let's start and we say, okay, in Christianity, the Bible teaches you're a special creation of a good and all-powerful God. That's Amen. what it teaches. Mm -hmm. Secular humanism says you're a descendant of a tiny cell of protoplasm that, sh that showed up around 3.5 billion years ago. Christianity says... You're created in his image with capacities to think, feel, and worship. Secular humanism says you're the blind and random product of time, chance, and natural forces. You're a grab bag of atomic particles. Now, this, this is true. This is exactly what it says. Christianity then says you differ from animals not simply in degree but in kind. And not only is your kind unique, but you are unique among your kind. Every person's different. Secular humanism says you're a purely biological entity, different only in degree, but not in kind, from a microbe, virus, or amoeba. I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta think through this now. Wow, <laughs> just that, that just took all the value out of human <laughs> beings right there. Uh, number four, God loves you so intensely; He desires your companionship. He has a plan for your life. That's Christianity. Mm -hmm. Secular humanism says you exist on a tiny planet in a minute solar system in an empty corner of a meaningless universe. Wow. Christianity says God gave the life of his son that you might spend eternity with him. Secular humanism says you have no essence beyond your body, and at death, you'll cease to exist. So live it up now, because it's over after. Christianity then says if you're willing to accept his free gift of salvation, you can be his child. Secular humanism says you came from nothing and you're going nowhere. Wow. Now, this is... These are not negatives on secular humanism. This is the culture in modernism and secular humanism, that, that religion, the way people think. Richard Dawkins, the Oxford University evolutionary biologist, um, he was, it wasn't he the one that is like the secular humanist? Well, the thing that happened is when 9-11 occurred, 
you had a group of what they called the New Atheists come out with all these books because after 9-11, rightly so, people were freaking out about religion and the harm it does. But what he did is he put in Christianity with the other religions that do these things. So he started out, and here's what he said. He said, okay, let me tell you how secular humanism works. In a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. You won't find any rhyme or reason to it, nor any justice. The universe, we observe, has precisely the properties we should expect. If there's at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, just blind, pitiless indifference. DNA doesn't know nor care. It just is. And we dance to its music. So that came out of his book, Out of Eden. He's being honest. He's saying this is the way life works. This is taught in our schools. Wow, it's unbelievable. Okay. Now, on the flip side, and we can close with this, we have Robert Jastrow, the founder of the Goddard Space Institute. Just in all, he, he basically followed up behind Edwin Hubble, and he wrote a book. It's just a small paperback. I, I would just say, anybody, you should read this book. It's called God and the Astronomers, Strange Developments That Are Going On in Astronomy where he details, he's an agnostic, he wasn't a Christian. He Mm -hmm. details out all the evidence that says, you know what? There's tremendous evidence that secular humanism's wrong. And here's what he said. He said, it turns out that scientists behave the way the rest of us do when our beliefs are in conflict with the evidence. This is what we're getting with Richard Dawkins. Right. We become irritated, we pretend the conflict doesn't exist, or we paper it over with meaningless phrases. That wordplay. Yep, that's what's happening in our culture. We can't accept the obvious evidence that the God of the Bible is real, that he cares about us, and then he wants us to get back in a relationship, be reconciled back to him. And a lot of the stuff that we talk about, and I I know we were going to close, but I want to bring this up. Oftentimes, people don't engage in conversations like this, maybe because they don't understand or they feel like they're they're dumb or um, they're gonna they're gonna feel bad like they're not educated or they just don't know or something like that. And one of the things that I've loved about getting to know you, learning in your class, it's I mean, not only has it helped me study the Bible different, it's helped me speak truth and love more. Um, it's helped me understand what's out there and to be able to teach people in my sphere of influence how to be wise, not they're wrong, I'm right. You again, you said it. You have to learn how to think. Why do you believe, though, so much out there? So many people aren't willing to dive in. Maybe they know the truth, but remember, this is not, we don't get God's truth. We don't get God's word. We hide it in our heart and then we keep it to ourselves. Right. That is not what a Christian is called to do. Right. We are, and we're not called to go out there and hold up signs and yell obscenities at people like, you're turn or burn kind of thing. We're to speak the truth in love. But why do you think so many people out there? just won't do it. I think it's, I'm going to give you a baseball analogy because you're a baseball guy. Here we go. And I use this on a kid who asked me the same question in 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 the classes I teach. He was a catcher on his high school baseball team. And uh, he was talking about, you know, why is it so difficult for me to share the gospel? You know, I get so nervous and I'm not sure how to do it. And I said, okay, buddy, you're a catcher. So let's say in a game, a guy's on first and he's stealing second. And you go ahead and you make the throw and you throw it over the second baseman or shortstop's head into the outfield, right? And the audience, they all see it happen. Do you quit? Is it over? Because you screwed up. Boy, that, that was terrible. And now everybody's looking at you and you realize, all right, I'm not, I'm not catching anymore. That's it. Is that what you do? 
No, it's not what you do. You practice, you get better. You, really? You get after it. Really? I said, no, you don't. You don't practice because you know what? You're ashamed, you're right? You're a little afraid now because you look stupid, so you're not going to try anymore. And he goes, no, no, no. I work harder in practice. I said, interesting. Why? Why? And he thought of me and he goes, because I love baseball. Mm-hmm. Dude. It's a good word. There it is. Dude, when you love Jesus Christ, who cares if you screwed up? He's not up in heaven going, Look at Ed, what a chucklehead. He's such an idiot. He just tried to share and he did it wrong. You know, let's let's get him out of the way. Don't let him do that anymore. No, I threw it over the second baseman into the outfield. Mm-hmm. So now the Lord's saying, well, it's okay. What did you learn? Mm-hmm. You get better next time. That's right. Learning from that failure. It's pretty simple. This is, is. We, we put too much pressure on ourselves. And you can learn more if that's you. If you're one of those people that threw the ball over the second baseman's head as a catcher, and you're trying to share the gospel or you feel intimidated or like you just don't have the words. The Bible is full of people that God used that were not (laughs) eloquent of speech, that were not on the forefront, that didn't dress the best or had the most respect or held the highest offices. He used everyday ordinary people that were just willing to get out there and give it a shot. I love one thing I always tell people. I said, if you can get this to heart, God is not impressed with anybody. Amen to that. He's not impressed. There's only one person he's ever been impressed with, and that's his son. Amen. So don't worry about it. Right. What, what's the big deal? Bonhoeffer said this, right? He said it in Cost of Discipleship. You know, he was martyred. Um, he was hung two weeks before the Allies came in and, and freed him. Out of, uh, we're going to free him out of the prison camp. They hung him. He said this. He goes... Anytime that you're disappointed in yourself means that you believed in yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you just take the pressure off and realize, don't believe in you. Don't be a secular humanist. You know, trust the Lord. He'll get you through it. You'll, you'll pretty soon, you'll be throwing the ball right to the second baseman and getting the guy out. You just got to take your time and trust him. That's good. That's good. Well, Ed, as always, thanks for being here. Greatly appreciate it. And thanks. For all of you for listening, this is the series Knowing What You Believe and Why You Believe It. Today was a podcast six over modernism. Join us for three more left, podcast seven, Understanding American Culture Postmodernism and Why It Fails to Lead You to Ultimate Truth. Ed, this is fun. Appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Absolutely. Again, Sundays, 9.30 here at Abundant Life in the main campus from 1024, Faith, Substance, Evidence. You can go to FSC. Dot life, and then go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. We want some subscribers out there. Keep it going. We want this to grow because this teaches you. And uh, it is a fantastic teacher. But uh, the reason why I say that is because he submits to God and he is just revealing truth and he challenges us in a great way and you get to eat some food along with it. There you go. Doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> so um, thanks, Ed. Love you, brother. And thanks for always doing this, man. Uh, just, just love what you do. So uh, again, if you want more information, we say this every day, but we would be remiss if we didn't. Maybe you have some next steps. There are more ministries. Maybe you're struggling or you want to learn more about Ally or the Counseling Center or different uh, ministries we have here at the church. Just go to livingproof.co. That's Abundant Life's website. And you'll find out a lot more information. So uh, for Ed Coteau, I'm Les Norman. And as always, thanks for listening to the Watching World Podcast.